I mean, I don't want to put it out there, but I'm going to say it's probably not going to get done. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm just saying. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing today out there? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 62 of the Chris and Christine Show. Yes, the 62nd episode. That is a great old fantastic. And thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We both very, very much so appreciate this. Thank you so much. We definitely do. And when you said 62nd episode, I don't know why it made me think of like at the beginning, I don't know if it was Star Trek growing up and it was like um, the 21st century or whatever. I don't know. They used to make like this emphasis on the numbers and you're like the 62nd episode. Well, it's crazy to think they say the average like basic podcast like ours that just starts out mm-hmm. they usually don't make it past the seventh or maybe the tenth episode is kind of like the killing off phase so if you can make an <laughs> episode so violent i know killing uh, off <laughs> well today uh happens to be saturday and it also happens to be halloween all hallows eve speaking of killing things off and uh, <laughs> candy killing a candy you know she make a movie called killer candy that would be like a great idea for Halloween. That's horrible. Like the candy you get is like creepy and like it's killer and like it like a blobs and like. Okay, a- that is not the right thing to say when we have stored all of the kids candy in our bedroom. And now all I'm going to be thinking about is the candy has a life. It's yeah. going to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that was like an evil cackle too. Uh, well, it is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not really a big fan of Halloween. Of all the holidays I could like get rid of, I think Halloween would be the one that I would... That may be Valentine's Day, but I don't know. <laughs> what? Well, that's because you say I don't like wh- I don't like when people tell me what days to love you. That's right. I have to love you every day. You're right. You do. But back to the Halloween topic. Um, you uh, while we were getting ready for this podcast, I was like dying laughing. Everybody, you have to. Chris is like the biggest like Scrooge when it comes to Halloween, and he said to me, um, "You know what I always wanted to do on Halloween." Is I wanted to be the one that hands out toothbrushes to everyone. That's right. <laughs> a toothbrush fairy is I want to be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're too brush, much. And people act- be like egging our house, TPing our house. Old I, man, go away. Brush your teeth, you crazy candy-filled yeah, mouth. crazy animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. is that from? Uh, Home Alone is right. uh, something. I'll Dude, give you, you f- count to the ten, you filthy animal. Filthy animal. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah, but I... um. Being a health nut that I am, you know, and all um, health conscious. Health nut. I think that brushing your teeth is a good thing. And I think that uh, Halloween especially, you know, like like I should probably um, – I mean, I always thought about maybe passing out toothbrushes. For, you are a fiend for oral hygiene. You definitely are. Because I used to have a lot of cavities when I grew up, you know. Oh, so that's your trauma. Right. It. it was. Going to the dentist was like – it was, it was probably as bad as uh, going through like a minefield. Yeah. Like, and um, you honestly, you freak out if you run out of mouthwash. Like uh, you're like, I, I, I don't know what to do. I only have toothpaste. Like I have to go. I have to go to Target right now. Like what do you think is open for mouthwash? It's, on, it's obsessive. I got on the mouthwash kick probably, gosh, I don't know years ago it was. And um, I think I had a sore tooth at one point and I just started getting this really strong mouthwash. And guess what? The tooth pain, it went away. It kills the germs. It killed whatever it killed, but it, yeah. it, 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 I didn't feel the pain anymore. Yeah. So I just kept on uh, mouthwashing it away and, and uh, pretty regularly for the most part. So kiddos, people, brush your teeth, use your mouthwash, floss, do all the things, and you'll keep away Mr. Cavity. Right, Chris? Absolutely. Stay with the dentist. And luckily for me, uh, well, actually not me personally, but my children, my kids, Jacob and Mason... Um, they have never had any cavities, which surprisingly, because when I was their age, I had like, I don't say root canals, but I had like crowns and, and uh, cavities and a lot of junk by the time I was Jacob Mason's age. Well, I was thinking about that as, just earlier today as we were getting ready for Halloween. And I ha- was wondering if it had something to do with the fact that like in the early dental visits now, kids get the um, the fluoride treatment and like the extra enamel treatment on their teeth when they're younger, which helps create like a protective barrier. 
And it happens when they're pretty young. And I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. Like it helps strengthen the teeth maybe? You know, I don't know. I mean, um, I'm not I'm not a dentist, uh, by the way, uh, for the record. But uh, yeah. really, you aren't you you claim to carry every other title like therapist and president and lord and you're not going to and you, you call yourself doctor. So dentist isn't one of those things. I think if we were all stranded on a deserted island, right? Uh-huh. I think I'd be like the guy that would take over the doctor role, you know, like everybody go to me for all the you answers. You just want to be like a soap opera doctor. You want to be the one where totally. they walk in and they're like, oh, doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. And they faint in your arms. I'd be like, oh, let me just give you a kiss. Like <laughs> Sleeping Beauty, that usually works. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, bucko. But so, hey, do you know what else happened uh, today on Halloween? I don't know. What else? The polls opened. The North Pole all finally opened up. Santa Claus no, must be Dorcas. so excited. No, the it, they call it Super Saturday. So because everybody has to, well, not everybody across the world or across the country, but on California, uh, we all have to vote by mail this year. And so they're calling. Wait, I thought they actually had polling places opened up. Did they? Yeah, but I think that it's to drop off your ballot. I don't know if you can actually vote in person or if you take your ballot in person. Because if okay. everybody got the, well, in California, everybody got the um ballots in the mail but super saturday and sunday uh the polls are open so it's four days of voting and so today officially kicks off election week how do you feel about that Ooh, everybody get out there and vote for whoever you think is your favorite future president of the united states right and i'm not on the i'm not on the <laughs> ballot this year i'm sorry i did not get my um what do you call it your thing in in time what's it yeah called? but you could write your name in I did that. You know what's funny? Um, you know who I voted for? Who? I put Santa Claus on the fill-in ballot. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's everywhere, uh, you know. And did you really just tell me that? Yeah, well, you voted for him, too? No, I just hate when people don't take the election process seriously. Well, last year, I voted for Darth Vader. and um, but Well, he, that would have been a good vote because, you know, he did keep the empire going for well, a long that time. Was the emperor that was in charge. Darth Vader is kind of like the second hand guy. But, you know, he's the one who did the real work. He's like the vice president. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Actually, I think we should vote for the fly. The fly on <laughs> Pence's fly is what uh, is getting my vote this year. <laughs> That's what Zeke was saying. He was joking about that earlier. But uh, hey, on a serious note, though, uh, and I'm, I'm not joking about this at all, but I've, you know, I attend USC and in my organization also that I work for, there's a lot of material that is starting to come out and circulate about uh, emotional support for individuals during voting week. And then what's for? Well, I was just going to explain it, but there's also like police departments and things that are readying themselves in the event of protests or like the emotional ramifications. And, you know, I have some serious anxiety about what's going to happen the day after the election, but do you think with everybody voting by mail, we're actually going to get results the day after? Um, no, no. I think they'd have to open every one of those ballots up, right, and uh, and run them through a machine or something. There's got to be a physical person that actually opens that crap up and runs it. That's what you would think, but with the electoral college and them actually being the ones that elect the president. Uh, do you think that we actually are going to have to wait for all of the ballots? Because, I mean, we've had a couple of races in the last eight to 12 years where the person who won the popular vote isn't the one who won the Electoral College. Right. That is true. I don't know. It's kind of crazy, right? How it, everything works. It is very, very crazy. All I know is by the time that our next episode comes out, we hopefully should know who is the next president of the United States. Yeah, well, but speaking of elections, I think there's a lot of different random things that come around at election time, propositions and laws and things like that. There's a bunch of crazy ones, too. You know, like I heard there was one, was there one about uh, in Montana or some crazy stuff? About, but actually, we're talking about just California ones, right? Well, I mean, just anywhere. Every year, there's like propositions and things that make their way to the ballot that are just a little bit crazy. Hey, um, yeah, that is very true. And I was going to tell you is that last week, you know what last week was? What? It was my birthday week. And oh, my I was, gosh. Are you still milking that, old I, man? Yes, I'm going to milk that all the way to the polls. <laughs> but uh, but no, my birthday was last uh, week ago today. It was last Saturday. Uh-huh. And we had a very, very special guest on the show that came and joined us for my birthday. Yeah, we did. And she also happened to be promoting a bit about uh, different 
thing that she's doing related to propositions on the ballot. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And we will have her on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. The Podbreed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming in the vast world of podcasting. Podbreed is made up of many diverse podcasts coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com. And welcome back, everybody. On today's show, we have an amazing VIP guest for you. She is an actor, comedian, writer, podcast, and... Yes, she also works in film and television production. This lady wears lots of different hats. Welcome to the show, Tara Jean O'Brien. Oh, oh my goodness. You got it right. I am absolutely a VIP. Yes, 100% VIP right here. Absolutely. Wow. We feel special. <laughs> this is amazing. What a special treat. Thank very, you. Very well, thank you important. so much for showing up today. <laughs> Uh, I, I just want to say that's the first time I've been called that. And so I'm going to bask in it probably for the rest of my life. So thank you for that gift already. Oh, you are. You're more than welcome. <laughs> hey, speaking of gifts, what's today? <gasps> Chris's birthday. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to cry now. I think like, like I won the Oscar, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, you guys love me. <laughs> True. Your gift is both of us showing up for you. Oh, thank I mean, you. I woke up and I got dressed. So happy birthday. Well, there you go. That's an accomplishment right there. What did you, did you, did you like want anything specific for your birthday? Like any gifts or anything you wanted to do? I'm curious about that. Uh, I'm kind of curious about it too. Actually, I want to <laughs> wake up today, not have a headache. I had a little headache last morning, but um, um, yeah, it's Saturday. I'm on vacation, vacation week for my birthday. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that, but I didn't go anywhere because of COVID. So well, sure. I took you out to dinner last night, but he did say we were sitting and we have coffee every morning together in our sitting room and we just kind of chat and wake up and you know Aww. face the day with a little cup of coffee. And he's sitting there rubbing his head with a cold towel on his forehead. And he's like, babe, do you know what would be the best birthday present ever? And I was like, oh, I already bought your present. He's like, <laughs> if you would go into the garage and reorganize my workbench. <laughs> What a gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving to nobody except for Chris. <laughs> exactly. So that is a hard path. You know, it's funny. That's been my one big project I was supposed to do this whole vacation was, oh, sorry, staycation really, was to uh-huh. clear the garage and clean the workbench. But I have not get, gotten to it yet. And I go back to work next week. So. I mean, I don't want to put it out there, but I'm going to say it's probably not going to get done. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But I'm just saying. I think you're realistic. I think you're very realistic. (laughs) It'll be one of those things where like at two o'clock in the morning, I'll hear him come home from work and be like, what is that noise? Well, (laughs) he got some uh, Red Bull and he's motivated. (laughs) I mean, if that's what it takes. Well, happy birthday, Chris. I'm honored to be here as a special birthday gift to you. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) That is wonderful. Now, speaking of that, Tara, where in the world are you joining us from today? Oh, I am in Los Angeles, California, specifically in the ever so glamorous San Fernando Valley. Oh, <laughs> so you're a valley girl. Uh, I am. I won't I won't talk like a valley girl this whole interview unless you really want me to. Oh my gosh. Like totally. <laughs> oh, um, valley girl at all. OMG. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's like Southern California pride, you guys. Like, oh my God. I can't even take it. Like gag me with a spoon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Have you grew up there the whole time? Have you lived there your whole life? No, I did. uh, Well, I've lived here for like about 20 or so years. I came down here to go to college. I went to USC. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Thank you. I always like it when people are like happy about that and not like, oh, USC girl. And I'm like, I get it. I I understand who I am. I'm a USC girl, so (gasps) I totally relate. Oh, my God. That makes me happy. I did not know that fun fact. So now I'm much more comfortable. Yes. I'm graduating with my doctorate in May (gasps) from USC. What are you graduating in? 
uh, organizational change and leadership. Oh my God, you're so cool. That's Thank amazing. You. Well, of course, because I went to USC like you. Yeah, duh. Oh, yeah, hey, so I've, been, I've been to USC too. <laughs> I, I, I was on campus. <laughs> so, you know, and I got a t-shirt. So I, I'm halfway there. Actually, I mean, maybe for the department you graduated from, he has a t-shirt from USC from the Department of Dramatic Arts. <laughs> Good for you. Well, thank I mean, you. We allow everybody to buy our gear. I just want to say that. <laughs> we allow everybody to buy it. So it's fine. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, that's so exciting. Fight on Trojan Pride. Uh, but yeah, so I went down here, lived down here to go to uh, USC. But I grew up in Nevada mostly, in Reno and Las Vegas, which Ooh. I know is weird to people. But I did. They have humans there that exist as babies and then grow up as adults. Not so, slot machines, yeah. huh? I mean, I'm not I'm not kidding when I say people have asked me with a with like a dead straight face, like if one of the classes you like have in high school is like blackjack, like how to play blackjack. <laughs> and I was like Art of counting you know, cards. <laughs> exactly. People think that's real and it is. Um I wish it was. Well, I yeah. bet. Yeah. So so in Vegas, now once you leave the strip in Vegas, it's pretty it's a pretty normal city. Like everybody just goes and hangs out in that one little pocket of Vegas. But once you get out in the outskirts, it's like a regular town. It's suburbs. I mean, it's it's all suburbs and it, you know, people live in like I said, there's schools, there's freeways. It's a regular place to live, everybody. Nevada. I mean, kind now, of. Now you grew but, up in Reno and then Las Vegas. So were your parents gamblers? No, but you know, so my grandparents actually were, they retired. They were like, like my mom's from Northern California and they, when my grandparents retired, they did move to Reno and their actual, like what they would do every day is go gamble. And they're not alone. There's a lot of older people that do this. And my grandparents were once, I forgot all about this. They were once in the Reno Gazette journal because they hit the most Royal flushes in one year at the Peppermill Casino. So, and that place closed. Closed down after that, right? <laughs> By the way, I think the most was like twenty five. So, like, they definitely lost a lot more money than they won, but that's still <laughs> oh, pretty impressive. I hit a royal flush one time. I was super excited. <gasps> Never came close since. But um, that's Chris, wow, that's amazing. I want you to understand that that's, I know this is going to sound like I weird and it's from, I've never hit a Royal flush and I'm not kidding. That is one of my like lifetime goals. I don't know how my grandparents did it 25 times in one year. Like, what are you talking about? Was it on the same machine? Like they took the machine and they took it out in the back and the, and the casino just like beat the crap out of it. <laughs> they bullied it. They, they bullied did. it. They did. That's Sorry, how they did it. What are you it. doing? Well, I will tell you, Tara, that if you had focused more in your counting cards class in Las Vegas high school, you might have had that royal flush, right? Oh, my God. I don't need I don't need this kind of pressure. I understand. I was not a good student. Hey, babe, that's the wrong game, though. Counting cards for blackjack, not for poker. Oh, my God. You guys don't know anything about gambling. (laughs) I'm leaving this podcast. Oh, man. I I learned craps, but I did flirt with the guy next to me to teach me. And Chris was like standing over my shoulder. But then that guy next to me helped me win like $150 and didn't ask me to like tip him. And he didn't work for the casino. So I felt like I was winning. That's because as a Trojan, you have your eye on the prize. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's correct. That is right. Yes. <laughs> so you um, moved to to the LA area to attend college. And then what happened through that process? I mean, um, so I came out here to be an actor. You know, I went to the school uh, to the school theater at the time at USC, and that was the the whole point to come down here. So I double majored in because I am an overachiever, if nothing else. I double majored in political science and theater because I essentially got almost a full ride from USC. So I'm like, I'm gonna milk this. Give me all the classes. Give me all the stuff. I'm gonna do what I can. But um, so I stayed obviously because I wanted to be an actor, and so you know that is a very hard and very uh oversaturated career to come to move to LA for as really I know right it's that's a newsflash for everybody no way I had no idea I thought I thought you just walk into LA and the first thing I'd say is what movie do you want to be in well they just hand you an agent when you walk like when you get on the 405 yeah you just get an agent (laughs) they're like hello (laughs) that's what the toll roads pay for (laughs) 
they do. It's just agent commissions. It's just mm-hmm. 10%. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Right it's the findings fee for you. <laughs> so, and I always knew um, I was wanted to be in comedy and all that kind of stuff. So I, after USC and, you know, I automatically wasn't a series regular, which was weird. Uh, I thought I would be that. Um, so I started training at, there's a lot of comedy schools around. So I went to IO West and I was uh, a member on a bunch of teams there for a bunch of years. And I trained at the Groundlings and UCB. So basically... Uh, I'm an improv slut, so I really got around, which was great. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on your resume. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I think it's a, it's a, yeah. So I, so I did a lot of comedy. I did, you know, whatever acting work I could do. I worked at, um, I actually worked at a dance studio called Third Street Dance for years where Dancing with the, the Stars used to rehearse. And um, that was interesting. That's a whole other podcast. So wait, uh, are you a dancer too? I am. I would not consider myself a dancer. I would say I worked at a dance studio and took free classes um, because it was fun. And it was like partner dancing, like ballroom dance. Well, it's kind of like what Dancing with the Stars is, is all ballroom yes. type it's stuff. It's all ballroom. So, I'm, so yeah. I've been told. I've never watched it. You know, I'm a guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. It seems like you're not familiar with it. <laughs> not at all. Not that at all. or The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> the Do you bachelor. get your rose? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So anyways, uh, so I d- I've done literally like every job you could possibly think of sort of in Hollywood. And eventually um, I, I, we had, I had a comedy band called Vomit, <laughs> which is what that's attractive. <laughs> it's the best. I know we really, we got a lot of attention. No, it was me and another girlfriend of mine, um, Annalisa. And she had had this idea for this band called Vomit, where it was basically like, Two of us, we played sisters, and so we would go on stage and we would um, sing songs. And every every time we would go do the act, we would end it in like a fist fight, like a fight, like we would fight. Because really, like, like Jerry Springer style. Yeah, like we'd slap each other, and like it wasn't like we wouldn't like roll on the ground. But our goal was to eventually have like an hour set where that's what the end would be, and we would like smash our guitars. Like it would have been, anyways. So we were doing that, and it was so fun. And we became regulars at the Laugh Factory. We were playing the uh, improv on Melrose. Like it really, it was really a lot of fun. And we got a development deal, and we were pitching our own television show, and it was really an amazing experience. And uh, we pitched to MTV and um, which and they were like the executive who we pitched to was like, we want to move forward. We like it. So we didn't like that either means like they're you're, they're going to give you money to write a pilot or something like that. And she got fired three days later. <gasps> so uh, classic Hollywood story. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so then, of course, because she had gotten fired or she whatever, like none of the other execs are going to take on projects that she was going to take on. So it was sort of dead in the water. And that was very, as you can imagine, uh, gut wrenching for me. And, uh, so I kind of was like, okay, you know, it was really hard. It was a really like weird period in my life where I was like, this sucks. Like, you know, you're, they're so close, right. To something or to whatever it is. And I had, because I went to USC to bring it back, I have tons of friends that work in film and TV. And I, they had said to you, like a couple of my friends specifically were like, you would be a great production person. If you ever want to like, you know, do it, just call me, call me, I'll make you a PA. Well, you know, you'll, we'll train you, whatever. And so it just happened to be the timing of this when this all sort of went down. Another friend of mine was working on this movie called Unstoppable with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. I love that movie. The train, right? Yeah, the trains. Oh, yeah. And so she's like, come be an office PA. And I was like, fine. And the reason it was hard for me to take those jobs for anybody that's listening is when you work in film production, like in the production office, there's no like leaving for an hour to go audition. Like it's tons and tons of work and you can't, you know, you're there all day. It's all hours and it's just a hard job. So, but I did it. And as, as people predicted, I was very, a very adept production person. And then, you know, here we are 10, 11 years later. And that's sort of like my, I would call it my day job. So going back to one of the things that you said, you were talking about USC and having all of these people in film and television production, has the network at USC really helped you in your career? I would say, I mean, again, I went to the school of theater. I wasn't in the film school. So there are two different things at USC, but there's a lot of, there's a lot more crossover now than there was than I went there, but I was still buddies and friends with a lot of people in the film school because, you know, as an actor, you end up doing people's student films, you know, and oh, you're there. Right. Oh, right. That's right. Like you need someone to fill in. I'm, I'm doing something for a project. Can you get, you got a weekend? Can you exactly. help out? 
Okay. Exactly. Or like, yeah, or somebody's like, hey, I have like, I was supposed to turn in a film. It's due in two days. Can you film all night in my apartment and we'll make something up? Like, <laughs> not to say <laughs> film students, but you know, that happened. Right. Right. So, so anyway, so I have, I did have sort of a network. I would say, yes, like the USC network, but that's mostly, I wouldn't say it's like officially like through USC, but it was more of the people you meet there and become friends with and network with and just like who your friends are. And so, yeah, I would say, Absolutely getting into, I would not be a person who would normally just like you could hire in production because I was an actor and I didn't really have that background, but all these people knew me and they're like, oh, like you'll just, you'll take to this because you understand the, like, you know, I understand the process of, you know, basic filmmaking. Right. And so you found that you were like really talented in the area of production, like pretty savvy. You picked it up fast. Yes. And yeah, and it's it's essentially like, you know, I had survival jobs that were like I was a personal assistant for a couple people and I worked in sort of offices. So like the office environment, I also, could, you know, I just sort of knew. And so that's essentially what a production office is, is like, you know, the hub of a TV show or a film. It's like everything sort of happens from there and goes out and, you know, gets made. Wow, that's like a little inside scoop into like uh, behind the scenes of Universal Studios. That's right. <laughs> this is exactly how it works. But no, that's fun. No, no, that's cool. You guys have the shark that jumps out at you on your little, you know, as you park your car, you know, going to the office. <laughs> You're that's like right. speaking from the backlot tour. That's Chris's whole perspective of production is like the fake jaws coming up to the little trolley. I mean, Universal Studios is pretty cool. I got, I did get to shoot there um, on Key and Peele. Uh, we shot there for like a week or two on the back lot. And the, the cool thing is when you actually shoot there and you get like a little golf cart when everybody's gone, like we were like, you know, maybe we're not supposed to, but we were totally driving around all the other little sets and walking around and saw Jaws in the, in the thing. And it was like, it's kind of cool. That is That's way cool. cool. Oh yeah, we love, we were planning on going back, but because of COVID and everything, I don't, I don't think they're even open anymore, are they? No, no think, all, that, all that's closed. Yeah, all, all the theme parks closed. are closed. So you had this great career in production, but I see on your your fabulous bio and resume that you also are a writer and you've had some mm-hmm. pretty fantastic experiences there too. Yeah, I mean, I don't sleep, guys. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, um, yeah, so I, I've always been, I've always written. Um, I think I've done stand up for the last like six, seven years. And I've, I've always been a, like a comedy writer and I uh, wrote for the onion for a while, which was amazing. And, uh, some of the funniest effing people in this, this world write for the onion. And it's just, it's amazing. Like one of the things I got to see is sort of like, like there's twice a week pitches and you sort of see what other people are pitching. And it's just, you're just like, man, these are funny people that are smart, like funny, smart people. So, so that was cool. explain to Chris what The Onion is, because he was reading an article a few weeks ago and he <laughs> legitimately thought that it was real. I forget what I forgot what it was. I'm like, hey, honey, did you check this out? Did you, did you know? Did you know that? Um, I forget what it was. It was it was it sounded like it could have been true. So uh, but it was like off the wall. I forget what it was, though. But he was like, it's written down. So it's got to be real. It's on the Internet. <laughs> it's on the Internet. It's on this oh. legit website. Chris, I feel like we have to start over with you. I mean, uh, not everything on the internet is true. Get out of here. He thinks Wikipedia is the most reliable source. It is. <laughs> it is. It's a pedia. It's a name. I can't even with Chris. you. You're so lucky it's your birthday. Um, you know, I was also told one at one point in my life, you're so lucky you're cute. So. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I didn't yeah. want to say it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, essentially, The Onion is just, it's a satire magazine. Like, that's what you would call it. It used to be actually physically printed. I don't know if you remember, like, it would be just like the LA Weekly or like any of the like weekly mags for any city. But yeah, so like one of the things, like, what, like the one you probably saw is they do just headlines, like funny headlines and topical or evergreen. And um, it's meant to, it is meant to seem like it's real because it's like funny satire. So yeah. yeah I, I saw the post, I think it was either on Twitter or Instagram. And it was, I forget who posted it and where it came from, but I saw it and I was like, what are they talking about? Because I get, I get most of my news from social media, for sure. the most part, like Twitter and like Instagram and things like that. And I see, what's this headline? And as I saw that, I, I kind of like, like, what? 
what is this about? But I, I wish I could remember <laughs> what it was, but it was something crazy like like Trump Trump cut his leg off in a, in a, in a I don't know an accident at the White House. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. Oh. Now yeah. I also saw that you're a contributing writer to one of my absolute favorite things on the face of the planet, and it's SummyCards.com. Oh really? That's oh my awesome. gosh! I have like this little book that one of my coworkers <laughs> bought for me, <laughs> and they're completely sarcastic and about women in the workplace. Yes. I die. I die every time <laughs> one of those pops up anywhere. So, what is that like writing for some e cards? Um, so that's just it's it's interesting. It's all sort of like a lot of these online publication now like they have people working from like all over the country all over the world like you never i've never met anybody that works for the onion i've never met anybody except for my one friend and i've never met anybody at there because it's all it's all remote right so you essentially sort of pitch ideas or like for some e-cards i was compiling uh, on their website they do Gosh, I can't even I can't even remember the name of any of it. But like you would compile like the best tweets to prove you're a millennial or like and so then I would go and I would find like the best tweets that people were tweeting out and sort of compile it like a like a listserv or what do they call a listicle, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, okay. and so like that's where like, you know, that's where the funny stuff. But the other thing, the some e-cards I think is better known on uh, Facebook because they would do those little like hallmarky cards and it would be like the little drawings of people like I hate you and she's giving you a cake or something. And right. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little silhouette yeah. of the person or whatever. Yes. 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 Those are so hilarious. But anything that Summy Cards puts out, I die laughing at. <laughs> Anytime I see it pop up anywhere on social media, I'm like, I have to read this and go down this rabbit hole because yeah. it's just so satirical and sarcastic and hilarious and everything I wish I could be, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as long as you understand and appreciate it, because I was as you, the theme you're hitting on with me is like, oh, she's a sarcastic person. I'm like, maybe just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing when I when you encounter somebody who's like, oh, I, I don't understand why that's funny. And I'm always like, um, I don't yeah. know how to explain it to you. Yeah. If you have to explain a joke, then it's it's either not funny or they don't get it. I like to say they don't get it. Most, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because when you have to explain a joke, it really makes the joke so much funnier. So, oh, I know, uh, huh? <laughs> and they try to try to tell it again. They try telling it in like a different way, like using a different tone. Yeah. And like, uh, I don't like, get it. No. Maybe no. that's my problem is I start with trying to explain the joke before actually getting what? to the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, why are you diagramming that sentence for me? It's not hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you're so nice, Christine. I think there's a nice part of you that's just dead inside of me. So um. <laughs> there you go. There's your tip of the day, Christine. You're welcome. So I will die a little bit on the inside to become my aspirational hope of who I want to be. Thank you. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't come over. Don't die do it. to the thought of other people's opinions. There we go. I love it. So love uh, it. when you first started doing comedy, like first you were doing stand up, mm-hmm. what was it like for you your first time, like getting up there? You know, <sighs> that's a good question because so I have such a st- strong background in improv and I've done improv for 15, 20 years. And improv is, is most people would know is it's a team effort, right? Like you don't you can't do improv. I mean, you could try to do improv by yourself. I don't know anybody who has, but, you know, you have team members. So like when you're you're doing a scene or something, you know, people can tag you out or like you're, you're never stuck up there alone. And. I'd sort of gotten to the point with improv where, you know, you do it a long time and you can't do a show unless there's enough people to do a show. And I was getting sort of frustrated with that. And I always, because I had always written, I was like, you know what, let me just, let me just see if I can do stand up. So I actually took a class, which I know a lot of stand ups like turn their nose up at. And I'm like, I, I recommend everybody take a class because what it does is it gives you a safe space to go up and just not be funny. And that's what I did for seven weeks. I was like, you know, I had all these ideas of things I wanted to talk about and jokes I had written. And I think there's so much and people, you know, it's hard to like explain this, but written jokes do not always perform well, right? Like just like Christine right. saying, like you read a joke and you don't always get it. Like sometimes a joke, like a stand-up joke, if you write it down also isn't funny. So it's like, it's this weird balance of going, okay, like really like, 
you know, getting down to like, first of all, who am I? What do I want to say? What do I think is funny about the things I want to say? So, so when I did that class, it was an eight week class. And I was like, and like the first seven weeks, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I did this class because I should not do stand up. Like this is <laughs> like, it wasn't going well. <laughs> and then the eighth week, something just clicked. And I was like, oh, and I don't, and I don't know what it was, if it was my delivery, or maybe I just sort of threw it away more and didn't care as much. And then we did like a showcase show. And I'm, when I say like, I could have dropped the mic, like it was like, oh, dang, like this is my future. And so I sort of just started doing it. And, and I've, I've, it's again, it's solitary. It's far more like lonely than the improv world, but you're also sort of I mean, it's if it's if not if things aren't funny, it's your fault, right? There's no one to blame it on, and so it's a, it's an interesting um, exercise and responsibility, I would say. Right, and, and some good, very good comics. I don't know how they do it, but they will make say the alphabet, and you're laughing. You're like, "Why am I laughing?" It didn't really. It wasn't. It just the, the way they said it, I guess. You know. Yeah, the, I mean, you have to know your brand, right? And how people. You know, the other thing is there's a familiarity. Like once you get to know a comic's tone, then like then they've already sort of set you up. If you like them, they could almost say anything. They could almost say the alphabet because you know their perspective on it. Right, right. So uh, when you got started, how long was your sets that they give you when you first get started? I mean, five minute sets. Like so, you start out, yes, not a lot. So five, is that like the norm? Like say I wanted to try it, five minutes, what they usually give you to start off? You know, there's, if you do open mics and stuff like that, it's generally three to five minutes. Like, so there's, there's three minute sets, there's five minute sets. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like a long time, but it also goes very, it also can be a lifetime. You know, if you're, oh, if yeah. it's really not going well, it can, oh, it can yeah. hurt. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I believe it. You know, like crickets coming out. You know. Yeah. Five minutes of, of people staring at you and not laughing is, is, is enough to like take years off your life where you're like, this is great. It's, and you're pushing it hard too. You're just coming uh, out and give everything you got and you're thinking, well, this will be, this will kill them. This will get them. And then you yeah. say it and it's flat. Yeah. Oh man. I can imagine what that's like. Yeah. Stand up is, listen, it's, I have mad respect for, for standups, especially people who are touring, you know, when you're like going to a new town and uh, you know, this is what is, especially for women, for female comics, like there's a lot of these small towns that it's like, they, you know, you go to these clubs and they don't expect you to be funny. Like they don't like just the immediate thing is like, Oh, there's a woman on stage. I'm about to not laugh. So there's that thing to just overcome too. There's a lot of just before you even speak, things to overcome as a stand-up and it's it's you know it's a it's it's amazing when it goes well it's amazing to connect with an audience to really like have it go well is is an amazing feeling do you find that the gender dynamics really are difficult in trying to break through in comedy a hundred percent and i wanna just because i've now done it for long enough to see sort of some of the ebbs and flows. Like when, when I was doing vomit, <laughs> we were performing in stand up clubs. We were not performing at improv uh, clubs. And I think the reason for that is because we were scripted, right? Like we were uh, like, you know, just like stand up is scripted. Like the people have written jokes and then they perform those jokes. Um, and so we found that, we would get a really, really great response at stand-up clubs, but it was where they put us up in the lineup. They either have to start with us or end with us because we were, you know, we played music and, you know, had this little, this little act. And so if you're doing, you know, if you have a stand-up that's, you know, 10 stand-ups doing five minutes and they're all just doing straight up jokes and standing there. And then we come on with our two guitars, the audience like has a minute to be like, wait, what is this? So unless we opened or closed, it was a weird sort of dynamic. Right. It's a completely different, different uh, thing going on there to kind of used to. Right. But back then we would have the got the male standups would, they were not nice to us. And I'll just say it that way. They were not nice to us. And the ones that were, there was like a handful of them. And uh, this one guy, Maximini, who's an amazing standup right now, he's Persian and he's killing it. He was, he loved us. And like, there was like a handful of guys that did. And then we would go do like shows with them all around town. Like that's how we got into the, like the improv and the laugh factory is through other comics. So it, you know, like it wasn't like a broad generalization that all guys were, but like a lot of them very much were not nice to us. Do you think that it was because they felt threatened or do you think that they just didn't understand you as women in comedy? God, it's, it's a combination of, of the, all of it, right? Like I think there was, there was, 
they would get really mad when we would do really well. Cause then it would be like a, they would say the reason you guys are getting laughs is cause you're the only chicks here. Right. And I'm like, okay, well that's a weird thing to say. Or they would be mad that, that we hadn't been doing it very long and they felt like they'd been doing it forever. So they were just oh, like, Oh yeah, there's that. It, it's just a lot of dynamics. And I, I think ha- now doing stand up on my own. I feel like the deni- the dynamic is not as bad. Like it's it's not that initial like we would walk in a club and be like, "Oh my god, it, like is is anybody going to be nice to us?" Where now it's very different. Like it's it's a much more supportive community than it used to be. And I think cuz a lot more people are doing stand up. So, yeah. Yeah, so I saw that dynamic play out on one of my favorite Netflix series in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you watched that? <gasps> Oh my God, of course. Yes. I'm I love obsessed. that show. But I love some of the parts where she shows um, when she is like going to an open mic night or appearing with male comics that don't know her and the lack of acceptance. And it made me mm-hmm. wonder if that was still a reality for women in this profession. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it was Amy Schumer. I think at the end of the last year, she put the statistic like of all the headlining acts, I think it was 12 or 15%. And this is around the country, 12 or 15% were women in 2019. So like there's, it's, it's not just, you know, uh, it's, it's also bookers, right? It's people booking comics, you know, and I understand like, you know, as a club and whatever you have to, you have to book acts that you think are going to be people in the door, but there's, there's a, there's a second barrier of like, well, maybe you should give more women some feature spots or give them more opportunity to do an hour, you know? So it's, it's changing slowly, but it's not changing like really in stand up all that much. Yeah. And thank you for highlighting that. Chris likes to give me time to talk about gender dynamics on the podcast because it's something that I'm super passionate about. And then the, mm. um, the underrepresentation of women in different types of I, professions. I, me too, because I love women too. So <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I, I love that you highlighted that because I think it's, you know, it's twofold. It's that maybe enough women aren't being given the opportunity to be able to persist because they have to figure out other ways to earn income to be able to stay mm-hmm. afloat. But then the other thing is this gatekeeper perspective of the whoever the the gates are that are keeping women from being able to access these headliner shows. And so, you know, being able to address the booking feature, which, you know, they're privately hired and they're hired to do a specific job. But, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows, there could be an amazing breakthrough artist that they haven't even given the time of day. And it's just really sad. So thank you for highlighting that. Oh my God. Happy to. And I hope, you know, I think the more people talk about it and I'm not, I mean, by far in a way, I'm not the only one talking about this. I just think the more people talk about it, the more you just go, Oh, well maybe I, you know, if I, if I'm a person who goes to a comedy club, maybe I'll try to go to the one that has a female opener or, you know, give the like club feedback about the great female comic, you know, something like that. I don't know. I don't know the answers other than I know there's a ton of hilarious female standups out there right now of every level. Like well, I'm sure, there, I'm, I'm sure there is. Now, yeah. speaking, speaking of stand-up, in this midst of COVID that we're in right now, mm. how is it happening? What are you seeing happen right now? Oh, everybody's doing these Zoom shows, which I um, am not, just me personally, I'm not a fan of doing because I don't think it's a, it doesn't translate for me. Like, I don't get anything out of it because right. you're not you're not getting the same laughs and the same responses as you would live. So to me, I'm like, mm, it's not it's not really my thing. And then there's all these um, like parking lot shows. Parking where, lot shows. What's that about? Yeah, like even at the uh, Irvine Improv. So they're basically like turning their they're putting a little stage up in the parking lot, and then you sell tickets and you go in your car and like you can change your just like the drive-in i think that's how they're doing is they they like essentially like turn it to a channel and the comic you know you'll basically you stay in your car and you can watch the show from your car well that's a really interesting (laughs) approach Uh, it's kind of the same way because you i mean mean, unless they're really screaming kind of loud are you really going to hear the laughs that much if they're in their car locked up i mean you know I mean, I think people are like getting out of their car or like sitting like with chairs, like like lawn chairs, like by the side of their car. Because oh. like, I've seen pictures of it. And I've seen that's what people are doing. But, you know, you do hear the laughs like, you, you, you know, enough people and because people are drinking and, you know, having a good time. I think it's, you know, it's not it's not the same by any means, but I think it's one of the only live performance like mediums right now that can that can actually do anything, to be honest. 
Totally. And we interviewed another comic recently from a different country who was allowed to start performing live in clubs, but they put plexiglass in front of this individual <laughs> while they were performing. And Chris thought that it was a fantastic idea. And why was that, Chris? Well, I call that the, the tomato blocker. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I don't know why they haven't done that here, like any kind of like stage, per, you know, thing, oh, glass thing. You guys are in San Diego, right? Yeah. Right. There's a club in San Diego that has opened, and I have a couple of friends, and they are doing a 25% capacity. And my friend Kim, she performed there, and she's in front of plexiglass. Oh, <laughs> what club is it? God, I got to look it up. I'll yeah, look it for up sure. Was it La Jolla, La Jolla, or was it the? Uh, there's another one in San Diego. There's a La Jolla. Uh, what's it called? La Jolla something rather. Comedy club. Comedy. Maybe that's what it is. La Jolla Comedy Club. Sounds I'll find right. it and I'll say it as soon as as soon as I get it here. Um, let's see, American Comedy Club. Yeah, that's in San Diego. Yeah, it's on uh, Claremont, right? There you go. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing that place because I, I, I um I deliver gas for the gas station next door to it, and I was there, and I I haven't seen the place open in a while, but um, it seems kind of dead. But maybe they opened up. Okay, great. Yeah, apparently twenty five percent capacity with uh, you know a little uh, sweet little plexiglass between you and the audience. Well, uh, you know, I think that that's uh, that's definitely a, a good idea to limit capacity. And I've mentioned this to others before, but you know, it creates a line outside, which uh, makes it appear as if it's in high demand, which makes people yeah. really want to come. And mm -hmm. you know, sold out crowds are never a bad thing for your ego, even if that sure. is only four people in the room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I sold out a crowd today. Well, how many people were there? Seven. <laughs> it was a full house. <laughs> right. But that's exactly how I would say it forever. I'd be like, it was a hundred percent capacity. Yeah. Um, it was a the COVID full house. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they, all, they all laughed at all my jokes, even the dumb ones. <laughs> yeah. Cause they just needed, they were so you know, starved for human contact. I could say anything and they would laugh. Like, absolutely. And especially sad. if they were masked, you could, they could say, you know, did they think you were funny? Well, they were smiling with their eyes. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> they were dying. It was great. <laughs> and, and I have to agree with you about the Zoom stuff. I am not a fan of Zoom. I'm not a fan of Zoom in general. I'm definitely not a fan of Zoom in the comedy scheme because I just can't even imagine trying to do that. You know, it's almost like you're just taking your phone, recording it, and then putting it out there on YouTube. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I could sit and watch it either. Like sit and watch it. You know, I've watched. I watched a couple, and you know, it's sort of like. You can do the things that you really, you know, when you're like, like sad or lonely or, you know, you have a friend doing it. It's like you, you do want to like connect. But I just for me, I'm like, I'm not I'm not out there trying to hustle and do all these Zoom shows because it's it's there is like because I we do actually. So my my improv group, Brother Bradley, I'm on an improv team at Second City. We have still been performing online like once or twice a month th through Zoom. And it's it's weird to do improv, not in the same room with somebody, but there's also this sort of like, we like it because we still get connected to each other, you know? And it's like, I get to see their faces and we still get to be funny, but I think it's more of an exercise for us versus an audience to sit and watch. And I think that's the same for stand up. It's more like you're practicing. Have the numbers really dropped? Um, like say a stand up, the old back to 2019, back to good old days versus today's version of zoom. Is there a difference in numbers of like, comedy clubs you mean comedy clubs doing it or people well, like what watch uh, people like the audience size in general you know like like uh more people watching zoom versus going in, in person or the way around you know that's a hard i i don't actually i wouldn't even know how to answer that other than i know comedy clubs like here in um burbank there's this club flappers and they have been like they're doing zoom shows like every night a bunch of night and they're charging like five bucks to watch and it's like well because that's how they're staying afloat so, right. you know, I don't blame them. And I don't know. I mean, I've watched one or two of them. But for me, it's it's hard. It's hard for even me as a comic to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, it's it's something different when you're staring at a computer screen and laughing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, we watch TV shows together and they might be really funny and we laugh, but it's more of a collective experience. I feel like, you know, everybody's got to do what they've got to do to make ends meet. But sometimes like sitting by yourself in front of a that screen and cracking up, it's not as much of the same experience. And so I can't wait until we're past COVID and to be able to go back and do all of the things we love. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the final thing I would say about just like live performance in general, because, you know, I've done theater and improv and all this, and these industries are, are we're, we're in a world of hurt because, you know, even a vaccine comes back, like, do you, like who, who wants to go sit in an audience and, and watch, you know, a musical when you're surrounded, like with like a thousand other people, it's, it's a real, it's really just, it's really hard. And I, there's a lot of people that are employed in live performance. And it's, it's just what it's the industry that I was like, the road to coming back is so unclear. And it's just, it, my heart goes out to everybody who is in it and who, you know, or it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's the thing that brings so many of us so much joy. So it makes it even harder where it's that thing that we're so looking forward to getting back to seems still yeah. yet so far away. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, I can imagine. Like, my sister has worked at a uh, at a casino here locally, and she was a a cigarette sales waitress chick or whatever mm-hmm. you call them. And the casino, when they did come back, they decided to make the whole casino non smoking. So, yeah. so she pretty much was like out of out of luck, you know. And she's kind of holding out on trying to find work, riding the government unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, a lot of people in the service service industry, especially in the entertainment industry, it's got to be really, yeah. really rough. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking yeah. of Broadway and everybody that's been impacted. But, yeah, definitely in the era of comedy. And so with that being said, what other projects have you been working on during COVID that have brought you some joy and levity? Well, you know, I am nothing if not self-motivated. So I actually worked on a lot, which has been fun. So one of the things I did, I have a friend who's a filmmaker and he and I had been writing prior to this. Uh, we wanted to do a live stage show of, are you guys familiar with Nextdoor? Like the Nextdoor app? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Those comments are crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so people who aren't familiar, it's essentially like, like a community sort of board and you can join yours and find out who your most racist neighbors are. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) and all your crazy neighbors. But anyway, so we were writing a live show, which we were going to do like perform. And so when this all sort of went down, he's like, Hey, we should, we should turn this into like, we should do this as a short and then come up with a TV pitch for it. So we did. And so we wrote it and then Scott and his brother and his little team found a camera and a little setup that we could drop off to each actor's house that was, you know, COVID safe and he could control the camera on Wi-Fi from his phone. And so we made a short during, uh, during this. Wow. Well, you know, if you need some inspiration, I saw something come through the Nextdoor app yesterday. It was a lady in my old neighborhood, because I'm still on that Nextdoor app, who was Uh looking for advice from her neighbors because her son has decided that his orientation is for anime. Um, Not men, women, or anything in between. But she's wondering... (laughs) I can't even say it. See, this is what happens when I'm telling a joke. Okay. (laughs) I can't even. Okay. Go on. Go on. Please. I'm on the edge of my seat. I know. So she was asking for help in how she can help her son have a fulfilling love life. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, next door is where you go to ask that. Like, oh, it's beautiful. You can't even make that stuff up. Like, why would she post that? Like, why? I have no idea. And it came in my email inbox yesterday and I thought, somebody's (laughs) got to create some kind of great bit out of this because it's too good to just let die so there you go you're welcome tara there oh my god go. thank you honest to god anybody who's listening please send them to me at tartar sauce one at twitter at instagram i've been collecting these things y'all like america's crazy like and the stuff they post on next star is bananas it's amazing oh you're it's gonna amazing. get this one from me it's yes you're gonna have it by the end of this show <laughs> so I love you cr- it. so you created this list of shorts um do you yeah, also we just have short. a podcast I do. Um, so we do a couple podcasts. Uh, I did uh, this one called Single Versus Married. We're on a little hiatus for that. And I do this one called Cinema Craptaculous, which is a movie review podcast where we review, um, let's say, B movies, B or less awesome. movies. Awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> do you guys ever think about turning into kind of a version of like, uh, was it that? that Mystery uh, Science Theater. Yeah. Oh, I've actually pitched that. I was like, that would be super fun. But then I was like, you know, can can you like, I think you get into legality too, where I don't think you can like broadcast, even if it's just the audio and then us talking no, over it. Yeah, I think, I think, with, well, I was trying to figure that out too, to do something like that too. Like say Zoom, say like, like say you and I, 
on Zoom. Like I played it on my computer and shared it with you on your computer, like say a Netflix movie, like a real bad one or a mm. TV show. But then somehow we muted it, but we recorded ourselves. So we had our audio. So our listeners would start push play at our, <gasps> us at the same time. And then it would, it would all match up. Uh, that was the idea I had, but trying to figure out, like you said, how to get the audio, figure that stuff out. Yeah. I don't know. That's he's kind been, of a really good idea. Yeah, he's been thinking about it for a while. So when you're looking for a collab <laughs> on your idea, uh, reach out to the world famous Chris with a K and he will hop on that train in no time. There you go. I love it. I love it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, this has been really amazing to learn about you and your background, your creative projects. And I did you also have one last project that you were working on related to the election? Oh, I love it. Thank you, Christine. Of course. So uh, the one time I put my political science degree to use is um, as many people are having, let's just say, anxiety for this election, I was like, I got to turn this into something. And I have uh, always researched the propositions. So in California, we have like ballot measures and propositions. In 26 other states, there are also these things. So not every state has them, but people who do get it. So anyways, it's um, I decided to do a video for each prop, which is basically sort of an explainer. Like it gives you a little inf- more information about what the prop is, like why we're voting on it and sort of, sort of like kind of like both a little test, like a little touch of each, uh, each side of, of the propositions. So I've been releasing those and uh, you can find them on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter. And that's it. I've called it, the show is called Propular, obviously. Oh, <laughs> oh. That's very clever. I love it. That's so fun. You know, I think that a fun spin on that, too, would be to find the craziest 2020 propositions because it's been quite a year and to just find out the craziest laws around the the globe or around the country that people are trying to forward into. We did an episode. Don't you remember we did an episode? We did those, the crazy ones that are actually laws, but this is 2020. I would love to see what types of people come up with, like maybe outlawing gremlins as house pets or something. I mean, I'd, I'd sign on to that one. I'd say yeah. yes. Yes. Had, what, what was the one about Montana, about the sheep or something? There was one law that said like, you, you can't take your sheep out unless you have a chaperone or something like that. Oh, you can't like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't have your what? sheep in the cab of your car unless you have another person in there. Your sheep would have to be like in the back of your vehicle to make sure no inappropriate activity was happening. <laughs> Wait. Wait, what state was this? I think it was Montana. There was another one that outlawed women from driving down Main Street by themselves. And if they Mm. wanted to proceed down Main Street, then their husband had to walk in front of them with a flag waving it in front of Mm. them. Yeah. So some great. Yeah. It's so (laughs) fantastic. But this has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much for bringing so much energy and joy and laughter to Chris's birthday. I will tell you, Tara, on a little separate note, he said this was the thing he was most looking forward to on his birthday was this interview with you. Chris, you have to shoot higher for your dreams. (laughs) But but I I appreciate that. You got to start at level one for eight to level two. (laughs) I mean, you did get a VIP, so I will not forget that. Oh, yes, you are right. So one more time, (laughs) let us know where our listeners can find you on social media. Sure. Uh, again, I'm Tara Jean O'Brien, and my handle for pretty much everything is Tartar Sauce One, which is T A R T A R S A U C E, and the number one. And that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. That is fantastic. And where did you come up with Tartar Sauce One? Oh, again, let's go back to USC for the seventeenth time. Uh, my Woo! college room, my college roommate, her boyfriend just started calling me Tartar, and then Tartar Sauce. So it's sort of just like stay, and then it just stuck. Oh, just I like tartar it, sauce. Yeah, it I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, because it's like tartar, like mm-hmm. tara, tartar. Yeah, oh, you right. get it now? Yeah, I'm a little right. slow sometimes. Okay. No, that's right. But like, again, so it helps people who think it's going to be Tara. And they go, nope, it's tartar. That's it. Okay, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Got it now. Thank you. But thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing all of your expertise with us. And listeners, definitely check out Tara Jean O'Brien and all of the great projects that she has going on. And thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, guys, and happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Once every harvest moon, a talk show comes along that is so groundbreaking, raising the bar to such heights that other podcasts step back and say, wow, that show's got it figured out. With a host tempered in focus, commitment, and sheer will, this is The Derek Duvall Show. 
pop culture, news, and interviews with fascinating people that channel the great Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite. The Derek Duvall Show. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show. And find his new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. The Derek Duvall Show. The best thing to happen to hump days since the Geico camel. What, what? Well, that was a fantastic and spectacular interview. I loved having Tara, Tartar Sauce One, on the show. She was amazing. That was such a great interview. I loved it so much. And I didn't mind the banter back and forth between the two of you. I think you might have been flirting a little bit, Chris. Me? Nah. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Maybe just a little bit. Maybe a lot of it. <laughs> well, she did just like one of my posts recently. I posted, I forget, mm-hmm. you know. See, my philosophy is look, but don't touch. That's what I always say. You know, as long as they want to, they like looking. I'm, a, I'm like, a, like the window shopping you do at the mall. <laughs> you walk around, you just like look at things in the store, and you're like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. But you don't go inside and buy it, right? So funny, but. You know, speaking of Tara, I thought that it was such a fun interview. And I will honestly say I have not laughed that that much in so long. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he- you're funny, but like that's a whole different level. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was great. All right. Don't get all butthurt about it. I'm not butthurt about it. <laughs> not, not even you a little make bit. You laugh, but that was a whole nother level of like, you, I kept my my mouth hurt because I was laughing so much. And I really do think that Tara and I should be besties. So uh, FYI, Tara, if you're listening, um, BFFs, we can even get those heart necklaces. That's like best friend. Okay. You're getting a little too crazy here. You know, Don't like, get jealous. You think you're my bestie. She could be my bestie too. Uh, yeah, I'm a little jealous. A I know little, you little are. Jelly. I know. Uh, <laughs> Don't so, hate. Well, I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. and this episode has been fantastic and heads up, we've been doing this episode entirely live on Clean Feed. Oh my gosh, Clean Feed nerd. I know. I love it. Nerd alert. We're trying something new tonight late on Halloween and um, because, uh, yeah, and if you, you know, piece of candy. And I'm a little jacked up on candy right now a little bit. Is so. that what your excuse is? Yes, it is my excuse. Because <laughs> you're sassy today. It's a candy sass. You yeah. eat too much candy, you get the candy sass. Yeah, the sugar sass. There you go. That should be a thing. Like like you talked about the killer candy at the beginning, but maybe that like results in sugar sass. Well, you that never- sounds like a stripper name. Sorry. <laughs> that was Whoa, really inappropriate. I know. <laughs> That was slightly inappropriate. Sorry if your kids are listening. I know. So, Christine, you got anything else to wrap this thing up with? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking that, you know, sometimes behind the scenes, you and I have creative differences and differences of opinion. And what I wanted to say is that over this week that we're rolling into when it comes to election week, there are people that have very strong opinions on both sides of the fence as it relates to politics. And I've heard of so many individuals that... Things have gotten out of hand. They've lost friendships. People aren't talking. And I just want to encourage everybody that in the midst of the election and the emotions and everything that's surrounding it, please don't forget everything that's brought us together in the midst of COVID. And that is kindness and humanity and understanding that we've all been through a lot this year. And so I would really encourage you you know, before you post anything aggressive or start trolling somebody's post or, you know, any of those types of things please just remember what we've all been through and hold that close to your heart and speak out of kindness instead out of what I call polarizing differences. That was amazing, babe. You should run for president. I think, what, yeah, you, wow, that was I'm, great. I'm a couple I, of years too young. How old do you have to be to be president? 42, I you, think. You do? I, I think it it's like, 42. Are you sure? Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, folks, I don't think it is 42. I think it's 35. Maybe it's 32. I thought it was in the 30s you had to be president, or maybe it's vice president. Keep talking. But, but I do know you have to be born in America to be president of the United States. Dang it. See, your mom and I were arguing about this the other day, and I said 42. It is 35. What? I have been old enough what? for four years. What? what? Unbelievable. Sandy, I'm sorry. I know you're going to be listening to this. You were right. I have no problem admitting I was wrong. And this is the person Whoa, that was. Save that clip. And yeah. this was the person. Oh, all right. Watch yourself, Sassafras. <laughs> Um, 
And this is the girl who used to teach government as a full-time job. Like that is ridiculous. Christine, you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, babe. I don't I, I don't think I'm not ashamed of you or anything like that at all. You are amazing. You are a wonder to watch. When I watch you cross the room here, I'm like, wow. Oh my gosh. Check out this amazing girl. Whatever she you're trying exact- to make up. You're trying to make up. I'm not trying to make up anything. I'm telling you <laughs> speaking from the heart. It's mm-hmm. all very true and honest. But and the I point love- is, I could have written I could have Run for president four years ago, Chris. Where would the world be if it was Christine Shipman it, that was the president? Although our paths might not have crossed uh, had I been president. Probably not. Probably be like, who's this guy? This is this loser guy. I'm a president, for God's sake. Or sakes. you would have been like, she's a president. I don't want to do that. Like, I want to live in that house. I don't want to be the first man. The first. <laughs> yeah, keep, imagine me being the first man. You'd be the first lady. Our what first, what oh, would they oh, call you? Be, oh, you'd be the first baby. They would, would you call be? you the first gentleman. That sounds like. No, again, I'm the, something if I'm the slightly fir- inappropriate. If I'm the first man, what would you be? The first? Uh, I would be the president. The president's NC for a lady, or is it president still? President is gender neutral. It is. Yes. Oh, it's not like Latino <laughs> and Latina. It's not presidento and presidenta. <laughs> you were the presidente. That's why there is like a woman could be president, and she would be called Madam President. That's right, Miss yes. Madam Madam Pre- President. Wow, you don't hear that every day, Madam President and the first man. That's right. Or the first gentleman. I, I still think that the first gentleman, even though it's like proper, it sounds slightly inappropriate. It's like a gentleman's club, right? I don't know why I have these things on the brain tonight. You do. I don't know. I don't know what you're coming up with. You know, you were just on the fly. It is getting late. We are jacked up on Skittles, and um, it is no, no. Mine's hundred grand. Hundred what? grand. What's hundred grand? It's what I'm jacked up on. You had a hundred grand uh, candy bar. Yeah, where'd you find that at? Don't tell. I can't say. Those things go because our kids will listen and then they'll get mad. Those things are loaded up in peanuts. You know that? No, they're not peanuts. It's like crispy stuff. That's payday. You're thinking of? Oh, what's hundred grand? Hundred grands. It's like little. It's kind of like almost like oh. a rice crispy with caramel and chocolate. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I'm thinking of the paydays that are like caramel and right. you're, uh, you're peanuts. out there. But anyways, my point is with all of this is to say. That we're running into election week. Definitely check out Tara and what she has promoted on her interview this week with her unpopular. And we will be back with you soon. And we will be back next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.